Welcome to the Chris Lockwood Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lockwood, and this is the podcast where we have open and honest conversation with and for those who are seeking, learning, growing, striving to better understand what it means to be fully alive and how that translates in the day-to-day. Welcome and welcome back if you are a returning guest. If you're a new guest, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I did this a few years ago, and then after doing it a year, I just needed to, to stop because it just felt like no, not now. I had a lot going on, and it just, as much as I loved it, it probably was the most um, inspiring thing that I've done in recent years, but it didn't seem to fit the schedule and the time of life that I was in. So, I needed to hit pause on it, knowing that I would come back to it, and I'm really excited to be back. And, you know, we, not to get too heavy, but we live in such, well, one, we're entering into the next political <laughs> season, which is just uh, um, going to be so much fun to see and listen to all over the place. And then, um, and then we just live in a world where there's so much plastic. The social media, everyone's putting up stuff, trying to show that they're living a best life when really that's not what it looks like. And we're dealing with suicide rates going up, um, depression and anxiety, uh, antidepressants and just loneliness like never before. It's always been there. It's always been bad. It's, it's never been a good thing. But it just seems it's an, it's such a heightened place now. And so I just want to create a space that's hopeful, that's inspiring, that's educational. Uh, not in the sense, uh, you know, that we're getting the the most decorated such and such Olympian doctor or whatever. I would love to have those people. But also just think we all have something to offer one another. We all have lived life. We're all human beings. We all have our perspective. We've all learned lessons the hard way. Um, and so we can learn from one another. And so this, I just want to take the posture of being humble, of of accepting people and letting people feel like they're not alone, that they're not in this by themselves, that peop, there are those of us out there who get it, that it's hard. And so now in our time in America, in the West, now is a great time for our authenticity to shine. And so that's what I want this podcast to be. I want it to be hopeful. I want it to be educational. I want it to help you live uh, your best life. I want it to um, to bless you. And so hopefully it can be that. And so, yeah. So um, welcome back again. I'm Chris Lockwood. And I'm so excited to be behind this mic. This first episode is, I mean, it's mind-boggling. <laughs> I couldn't have... Uh, it's just, uh, you know, this podcast comes, this episode comes in an interesting time in regards to pop culture because Justin Bieber, uh, on the heels of releasing new music, uh, he has recently received some negative commentary on how he's looking these days. And he does look kind of rough, but he admitted to being diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I thought, oh my goodness, this could not have come in like, a more interesting time, not better time. Like, I don't want to, like, I'm not saying that I want to um, leverage his um, his struggle. That's not what I'm saying. But I think it's a conversation that 
that is out there and people are looking for answers. And so I just thought, wow, how convenient that this is coming out. And man, this next guest is just isn't a, a remarkable person. But first off, like, what is Lyme disease? Um, and I kind of did some research. It's a bacterium called Borrelia. And if I'm saying that wrong to the educated out there or the experience, I apologize. Um, so it's, it's a bacterium called Borrelia transmitted to human beings through the bite of a black-legged tick, which most of us know that. We've all heard, don't get bit by a tick that could carry Lyme disease. Um, after recording this two-part series, because it is two parts, I was just curious as to what all the confusion over Lyme's disease is, Lyme disease. So I clicked on the first, art, literally the first article I could find in regards to the Lyme disease debate. And it is an intense and ongoing issue that's actually been deemed the Lyme Wars. Uh, in a Harvard study posted in June 2018, it states, the blood test the CDC recommends to diagnose Lyme checks for an immune response to the bacteria but it does not check for the bacteria itself, the Borrelia. Um, so they're just looking for a symptomatic response, which is feels pretty light. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel very investigative, I guess. But I'm you know I don't want to assume too much either. So it could be overlooked because physicians aren't necessarily looking for the bacteria itself, but for an immune response. Uh, in another article, I discovered um, it states, and this is kind of long, so I apologize. The crux of the Lyme, Lyme disease treatment debate is whether the condition exists in a chronic form. ILADS practitioners insist that it does. How else to explain the lingering symptoms many patients experience, which they say resolve only with long-term high-dose antibiotic therapy? IDSA, however, takes the viewpoint that these patients whose symptoms of fatigue, cognitive dis dysfunction, and musculoskeletal pain are subjective and vague, belonging on the symptom list for chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia as well. Never had Lyme disease in the first place, and this is why standard therapy for the condition appears not to work for them. And guess who's in the middle of this heated debate? The patients. My next guest is, as usual, right? And let me say up front that um, the point of this podcast is not to call anybody out or make anybody out to be a bad guy. I'm not here to like damn the medical community, but it is no secret that our healthcare system, from the doctor's offices to the prescriptions to the insurance, is incredibly flawed, and it seems increasingly so. And it's in need of a major overhaul that I'm afraid goes so deep that it actually is too late. Uh, this, however, is not a podcast about what's wrong in the world, but what's right. Enter my next guest, Daniel Pratt. Danielle Pratt. I feel like I'm always saying Daniel Pratt. It's Danielle Pratt. Uh, she's a beautiful, inspiring, determined, but tired, yet faith-filled wife and mother who believes her disease has been given to her for a purpose. Despite all of the suffering and havoc it's wreaked on her and her family, this podcast is about enduring well, staying the course, fully embracing the hell that may be laid upon us with the hope that there truly is a glory to be held if we will only keep the faith. Uh, this podcast made me angry with Lyme, life, medicine, myself for being so faithless, but I walked away so inspired by this couple 
Um, I hope, God willing, if I have to face half the challenge that they've had to endure, that I do it with the optimism and hope with which they've done it. Whether or not you have Lyme, cancer, or some kind of disease, or no disease at all, I encourage you and I hope that you'll listen and be inspired to live your best life, not in spite of, but in the face of your worst and darkest moments. Not only have they suffered well, they've learned how to pick themselves up, uh, to pick up their cross, to follow their king, and to create beauty out of this insane mess. So here I give you the first part of Miss Danielle Pratt. Again, this was the first time we met, and so there was a bit of you know, kind of getting into uh, the rhythm of the interview, but it is amazing. And I, um, I'm a fan of Danielle's and her hero of a husband. So hope you enjoy. Hang on for the ride. You can listen to it while you're in the shower, in the car, <laughs> wherever you like. But um, this is real, my friends. This is real. And, I, you know, God gives us the grace to endure and so be inspired, be encouraged wherever you are in your life. And uh, all right, here we go. <laughs> okay, so here we are, Daniel Pratt and Corey Pratt from... Where are we from now? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Bend, Oregon, Kailua, Hawaii, and Franklin, Tennessee. Okay, so, okay. When I first started reading yesterday... Just the blog, because that's, I mean, you and I met on the phone last week. Right. So the blog is all I had to go off of. Um, like, I was both, first off, I was angry. You know what I mean? Like, you're reading this going, mm-hmm. this sucks. Mm-hmm. But also sort of jealous because of the adventure that you guys have been on it's and the world adventure. that you guys have seen and the experiences you had as a family and stuff. Um, it's, I mean, it. it's probably more bitter than sweet, but... I mean, has it... There's been a lot of sweet, too. It fit, That's what it feels like. Not yeah. knowing and looking at it, it, like, I don't have, you know, there's no doubt we're sitting here because of your story, but, like... Right. But, like, wow. I mean, the way God sort of at the same time has given you all the experience of being together mm-hmm. and experiencing new things as well in the middle of it all is pretty amazing. It's... I feel blessed. I, I tell people that and they're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. But I really do. Like it's, um, it's been, it's a gift that he's allowed, that God's allowing us to walk mm-hmm. through this. I really feel like it is. And I can say that wholeheartedly where I feel like four years ago, I would not have said that. I think it was about three years ago. I truly became thankful yeah, yeah. that I was chosen to walk this path and for my poor family that they were chosen to <laughs> walk it alongside me because it, we have never been closer um, our whole family and, and just the change and the, what we've gotten to see Uh and experience. And there has been so much bitter in it, but I still say, I just know that God's plans are perfect. And so I know that the sweet outweighs the bitter and it is more beauty than mess. Has, and by the way, I love your blog, the beautiful Mess. That no one nice can spell. Nice right. It's so good, though. It was so good. Well, it took me a second, and then you said something in a blog or a post and how you described it, and I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Because yeah. I didn't get it at first either, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sometimes it's my messy mess, uh-huh. but I like to hope that it can be more of a beautiful mess. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's um, let's like start from the beginning. 
like just where you're from, where you grew up, okay. and kind of you know just what you know siblings, what was home life like growing up? Because I've I've seen pictures of your parents. Is that right? Yes, the they've debuted on the blog. I mm-hmm. think. <laughs> and you and your mom look exactly alike. Everyone is that... thinks we're sisters. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, mom, that's really good for you. That means you look younger. Or does that just mean I look really old? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Not... You do see the resemblance, but it wasn't yeah. like they look like sisters. So. Yeah. I love her. No, so growing up, I grew up in Bend, Oregon. Uh-huh. Corey and I both did. And uh, just a neat, tight family of six. I'm the oldest of four. Oh, wow. Three girls and then my little brother, and we're all like... Poor guy. Exactly two years apart. No. <laughs> spoiled in was love. It? Yeah. He was the last sure. one, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. We, we did have to make him, you know, play dress up of occasionally course. or whatnot, but... That yeah. was um, my son until... Our, our newest addition last year was born, and he was dying for a brother. Like he was praying oh. to the point where we thought he was definitely going to lose his mind if he didn't have a brother. But he's been in the middle of two sisters yeah. up to that point where dress up and, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff has been an ongoing yeah. thing. So. No, Joel could play. My little brother could play the poor me card, I'm sure, but he's awfully loved. <laughs> yeah, and, I bet. And very looked out for uh-huh. by his three big sisters. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we we grew up in Bend, Oregon. We, most of the time, were on, like, five-ish acres, uh-huh. lots of different animals, mm-hmm. and it just really had a, a really good upbringing, I would say. Mm-hmm. Good parents, solid marriage. Um, they loved us. We mm-hmm. didn't have a lot at all. In uh-huh. fact, very little, but we, us kids, never really knew that we went without anything. Yeah. I mean, because living on five acres probably still feels like... You have a lot. Yeah, right? and mom and dad were so good about making sure we had different opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we could. And What did I they do? Uh, my dad's a contractor, okay. and my mom um, then raised us, homeschooled us for the last, goodness, 10 years, I think I was homeschooled. And then, um, and then most of my siblings were homeschooled the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And now my mom went back to school and she's an RN. An RN? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so she, she has time it. to do it and, and isn't like just yeah. to find, kill, have something no, to do with I her mean, time? No, I mean, you know, really... it needed because when the economy crashed oh, and my yeah, dad okay. was a contractor in yeah. Oregon, it hit hard, like <sighs> other places in the country yeah. for sure. But so it was kind of perfect timing in that she went back to school when my brother was a freshman in high school. And so he went to public school, and mom went to school to get her RN degree, and she works in a surgery center. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So that... they're we're young. We have close, really compact generations. Yeah. And they're doing well and in bend with some of their grandbabies. Five of them are still there, and mm-hmm. then we moved our three away. So. Yeah. So we're. Where so your siblings are still there? My parents are in Bend. Uh, my sister Rochelle and her family with five kiddos are in Bend. And then I have another sister and brother-in-law who are in the Seattle, Washington mm. area with their three kids. And then my little brother Joel is um, in Honolulu. Oh, wow. And he's hopefully getting down on his knee one of these days <laughs> because we are in love with my hopeful soon-to-be sister-in-law that's awesome yeah we love her yeah so. but being that he's been spoiled you know 
his whole life and loved one and, and I get married. I ask girls. <laughs> yeah, she she'll continue that tradition right on. That's awesome. She loves him well. How long yeah. has he been over there? Oh goodness. He uh, six years? Yeah, probably. Because he went to HPU over there and okay. graduated. And okay. So Yeah, I have um I have a family a couple of family family members over there that I've yet to use that relationship you to need, get around. You that should way. do that. <laughs> I'd so badly want to. Um, oh, you guys would love it. You and Joy need to get away. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. We would love to. Yeah. And it feels like it never stops, but we, we, we will one day. In fact, now that you're saying that, I need to make that phone call and just like, hey, can we come? That's the most expensive part of the trip, too, is the, the, flight? the housing. Oh, the housing. Well, I guess flights from here. I'm used to West Coast flights, but yeah, the housing, somewhere to stay. So if you have family over there, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I've been all over the country, and that's the one place I've not been to yet. Yeah. And I hate myself for it, too. You gotta go. Okay, so um, so faith, was faith involved childhood? Huge. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. I grew up in a Christian home and um, made H- that commitment myself. Hence the homeschool? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, we were, you know, back <laughs> all when All of those we weird homeschool families. I know. Not... Back when we were homeschooling, it was still the, um, oh, we were looked at as, you know, the crazy... Oh, you're one of those, the mm. prairie skirt wearing. I'm like, oh, brother, <laughs> we are not. Uh-huh. Like, there's such a, what is it, like a generalization of homeschool. And no, like, homeschool it's all out of ignorance as well. That's yeah. what's so funny about it. Because I even, I had that, I would say I said that growing up too, because I was a public school kid. And um, now that we homeschool, I look back on that, and you always say homeschool kids are weird. And then I was like, I didn't know a single homeschool kid really? to base that off of. But yeah, right. that's what everybody it's said. It's the general you know? consensus, yeah. I think homeschool kids can, they're smart cookies. Oh, no. For sure. The, the CC program is is mind-boggling. Like the, all the memorization. Yeah, what they fit in those little brains is yeah. impressive. So now we, we have homeschooled and had our kids in public school and private school and... Right now, God's asking us to homeschool, so we'll see what this next year holds. But yeah. it's uh, it's not something to take on lightly. That's yeah. for sure. It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, but it'll hopefully help with the them filling out. You know, having to move. Yes. You know. And, oh, it's been crucial for us. Yeah, of course. We haven't had to yank them out of different schools yeah. and that. It's yeah. been moving them enough as it is. Okay, so. The Lyme's disease, like that seemed like I, I don't. I was trying to read between the lines. Did that start pretty early? Like the tick when that was in, it was a tick, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. We I was bit twice that we know of. Once I was nine, uh, and it was on the back of my neck, and then when I was almost eleven, uh, my mom removed another one from my stomach. So, and I'm, I thought I was thirty five until last week when my family had to tell me I'm thirty six. So, oh, wow. um, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been, it's been a long time. Yeah. And uh, those are just the two, like I said, that we know of, you uh-huh. know. But we grew up with, you know, sheep and horses and cows and dogs, chickens, cats. It's kind of the normal, like, okay. small hobby farm, yeah. you know, growing up. So, um, but still to this day, there's a lot of ignorance um, within the medical community, especially in on the western side of the country. Mm-hmm. Um now people talk about it all the time over here, and it's getting more so on the West Coast. But, I mean, doctors there, it didn't matter what my mom said she removed from me. Lyme disease doesn't exist. Our ticks don't carry it. Huh. So, 
so. Because you, you hear, like, like, the only time you ever hear of a Lyme's disease is check the tick, right? I mean, like, that seems like that's been the general where it came from, so why would... Yeah, I know. There's a, there's a lot of different reasons why I guess it could be, and it's still crazy. I mean, my brother-in-law removed one from my little nephew last summer, I think it was last spring or summer, and he couldn't get the tick out, so he took his little one to the ER, and the nurse took it out, threw it in the trash, and said, see you later. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't say, I mean, you're, she didn't send the tick in, she didn't test anything, she gave him no antibiotics, no nothing. So, and, and Lyme was never brought up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's not the the doctors and the nurses are at fault, it's, you know, the training, you know, like, in a sense that, like, they're taught on... Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of like our upbringing, like, uh, our parents give us what they were given, mm-hmm. you know, from their parents and stuff to where, like, same thing with doctors, like, they're taught something and this is protocol. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder why, though, that, that would just be overlooked like that. Like, why that would... Well, there's also, I mean, within their different degrees or, um, what is it? Like, their, their specializations and such, the... My understanding is the AMA, um, and what what am I trying to say? My words aren't working, but like with a, within an MD, within that licensing or that, what is that called? <laughs> Be, being an MD, I think basically within that license, there are certain things that they can or cannot prescribe, and they can get in trouble course, for yeah. going outside of that. Yeah, yeah. So when you're told that with Lyme disease, you can prescribe up to... I don't know what it is now, 14, 17 days of doxycycline antibiotics, that is the box that they're put in, and they can't do anything else. That's what they're told that they can prescribe. That's what they're told will take care of it, hmm. um, which is not, in my opinion, the truth. So, Okay, so it's funny, Okay, well, while we're here, because I have my notes right after is uh, your your blog about, or it was, I don't know if it was in a blog, or it was, I was written off by countless doctors. Yeah. The list is extensive and has been progressing over the last 24, 30 year, my 33 years of life. Like, what, what do you think, like, why do you, is it just ignorance on their part or like, is, do you think there's... A lot of it is ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of it is, I mean, there's, you can look up, I don't have any doctors specifically who I know, you know, have lost their licensing for these things, but you can read about them. They're out there and it's actually, it's more common than than what's written about it, you know. So there's there's MDs who have literally had their licensing taken away because they have thought, you know, okay, the doxycycline didn't work. There's more to this. And um, and then they treat outside of that, and they get found out, and they're stripped of their, of their badge, more or less. So um, it, takes, it takes a really creative doctor, someone who's not scared of staying in that box, and someone who's willing to you know, realize that what they're maybe taught through their education right. isn't mainstream. I mean, our bodies are all different. No no two people are wired the same. That's how God made us. So because it's not clear-cut, it's more just kind of wash their hands and go, eh, yeah. is that kind of what... Yeah, and I think it's also, it's so out of hand. As of, like, last year, so as of, I can't remember if it was 2017, I think it was 2018 stats, as of March 1st, 2018, um, the number of confirmed cases of Lyme disease by the CDC was greater than breast cancer and HIV combined. So that's the most out of hand. I mean, that's an epidemic yeah. <laughs> that no one knows yeah. how to get on top of. So I almost think some of it is now 
coming from the rears, like, how do we get on top of this? Uh-huh. Or what do we... You're almost talking conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And, and I've never been a conspiracy theorist, although you read about all the all the Plum Island stuff, right. all the Lyme disease stuff, and you got to wonder, is there a reason why the CDC, the AMA, mm-hmm. the FDA, all these, why they're not trying? Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm not going to write it off, but I feel like I also, like, you know, we have what we have now. Yeah. And I think what's the most important part is helping educate people mm-hmm. and help people realize that there is something that can be done. And when doctors write you off and call you crazy, maybe look at something that they think is crazy and go for it, you know? I mean, it, was it that has it been that cold? Like, or they've kind of been like that, you're crazy? You're... I have the medical term for crazy written in my charts at a very well-known health and science university. And my chart's closed. Wow. So, like... and I've been kicked out of, like, sleep clinics. Um, they don't want to see me. There's... It's it's wild, yeah. yeah. And this is all this is all West Coast. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Which you would think West Coast would be the radicals that are thinking out of the box. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no Lyme literate doctors necessarily. At the time, there were no Lyme literate doctors uh-huh. over there. Um, there's a lot of them more East, Central, and East Coast. But I mean, the wait lists. You're talking. I mean. 10 months at a minimum mm-hmm. to get into someone. And if you've had chronic Lyme disease for that long, um, you don't have possibly that long to mm-hmm. wait. And then you're talking about all the upfront, the cost. I mean, we run completely off of cash. And uh, so you run out of cash. Yeah, of course you do, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot. Insurance, uh-huh. I mean, even if we got insurance, it doesn't touch anything that I need yeah. that's effective. Yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll give me the two weeks of doxycycline, maybe three weeks if I'm lucky. Oh, gosh. So, and at this point, I mean, it, it bounces off of it. You know, it won't kill it. I mean, if I'm going to change careers, I need to go into pharmaceuticals. Right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just insane. We've considered. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, so, okay, when did, when did the symptoms show up? I mean, you said 9-11 is when you know that you got bit, right? Yeah. That you're aware of. Mm-hmm. Like, did the symptoms show up immediately after that, or did it take some time for them to I, climb up? You know, I've talked to my mom about this, and I have had symptoms definitely started, like, probably 30, 60, 90 days later. We don't really... Oh, wow. So there's there was a, a small period of time where, you know, we didn't really notice anything. I didn't, we didn't notice like a rash, but at those ages, you know, they talk about the, the bullseye rash Mm -hmm. around your bite. At those ages, I was bathing myself. It's not like I had a parent who was like, Oh, let me see, you know, um, I had long hair. And so it wasn't like, it was something that we would have really noticed, but the truth is you don't have to have the rash. Mm -hmm. You know, they're finding that less than 30% now even have the rash that shows up after the bites. Um, so you know, again, another thing, like, if, if doctors did acknowledge it there, well, did she have the bullseye rash? Well, no, we don't know. Well, then she clearly she she didn't have it. it. Yeah. You know, another generalization that's not entirely true. So, um, but, yeah, I, my symptoms, I started having real sleep issues, migraines out of this world. Um, shortly thereafter, probably a few years later, I started having major thyroid issues. 
Um, Which, okay, back up a sec. Lyme's disease is, would be defined exactly, how would you define, like, what is exactly attacking or what is it? Well, so Lyme's disease is known, it's Borrelia burgdorferi. Okay. I'm probably botching that name. Um, but Lyme itself, the Borrelia bacteria, it can, it uses different things as hosts. It can be animals, it can be humans, mm-hmm. um, and it the spirochetes that are injected into the host, mm-hmm. um, they can they can burrow in they're like a corkscrew. So they can burrow into every organ, every kind of tissue, um, your nervous system, they can get into into that. And I mean I have permanent brain damage from from how long it's gone untreated and yeah, of course. um so there's nowhere that Lyme can't get. It's just a matter of like how long you've had it as to when it gets into your heart, yeah. your brain. Um, I mean, it can hide in your teeth. Yeah. So there's so many different ways that it can run from however you're trying to get it. So it's just, it sounds like on a layman's ignorant terms that it's just so complicated and com- you know, mm-hmm. diverse and how it can attack the body that it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. We can't mess with this. Exactly. And if you have a weakened immune system to begin with, if you've had, you know, something else that's knocked you down, um, I mean, it's even, the places it can get to are just so much more, so much quicker. Right. Now, did you you have a weakened immune system beforehand? No, I was always that healthy kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was always really healthy. Um, So I didn't really have that going against me, but... The fact that Lyme also, it multiplies. It asexually multiplies in your body once it's in there. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, it just creates this massive army yeah. within hardly any time at all. In fact, I was looking at some different, um, like, stats, because people are always asking me this, and they found there's some scientific studies that have found, they've found this multiple times right around this number, um, but I have written here, one study found 2,735 bacteria in a tick only 15 days after the tick had fed on a white-footed mouse. Oh, my gosh. So, like, that's just, it's staggering yeah. how fast it can reproduce. And um, I wonder what makes, I mean, I guess, I mean, I wonder what makes ticks so different from a mosquito. You know what I mean? Like, Well, you... yeah, so that's the other thing is that, uh, you know, down the road, which I'm sure we're going to get to in this podcast. But when we went to Germany, we were at a hospital in Germany, and a study came out while we were there. And they don't believe in screens on their windows. Like, I don't know if it's in all of Europe, but clearly at the hospital Corey and I were in. So we're getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. Ugh. Like, But it's really hot. It was summer. and um, mosquitoes, Which was perfect for you, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, it was so mosquito bites everywhere. And oh a study comes out and it shows up to 40% of mosquitoes can carry Lyme disease. Of course it can. Yeah. You know, and then it's not just mosquitoes and ticks. It's, yeah. It can be fleas and all these other things, you know. Yeah. It's, it's things that can feed off of anything that's already a host of Lyme disease, which is like, you know, rats, mice, deer. Um, I don't know that it ends there. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, I mean... Rats and mice is... Is enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's all I need to know. I mean, Corey and I are constantly hearing people say, oh, well, you know, Hawaii has no Lyme disease and no ticks. I'm like, do you not see the ships and barges that bring all of our household items over? Do you not think that maybe there's like ever, you know, a mouse on these? Yeah. Have you forgotten Hawaii is like 
on the earth. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it, again, it's ignorance. It's people aren't, they're, yeah. they're told something. And I don't know if they just want to believe it so they feel better about it. Or it's like homeschool kids are weird. they really believe it. Like, you know, the ignorance of that. Yeah. Homeschool kids are weird. I don't know one, but right. they're weird. <laughs> there's, no, there's no Lyme disease over mm-hmm. here. So it's really, I mean, but I had so many doctors tell me that over there. Or so many nurses. Wow, wow. you're in a good place because there aren't ticks here. Right. Okay, great. So show me the studies that specifically <laughs> shows that yeah. there's no Lyme disease over here. I mean, in the past, like in Oregon, you know, people would tell Corey and I or you know, in my earlier years, my parents and I, well, you know, ticks, they, they don't come this far. And we're like, what are you talking about? They see the Wisconsin state line and they're like, oh, guys, better turn around. You know, let's catch a ride back east. And same thing with Hawaii. But this year I've seen studies come out. The CDC has acknowledged that there is Lyme disease in all 50 states. Yeah, of course I'm like, is. wow, yeah, cha-ching, shopping. we got there. Yeah, you we just got there a little late. Yeah you, yeah, you probably knew that way ahead of time. I think most people did if they really wanted to think about it. Okay, so I'm curious about, um, and we're going to bounce around just because, like I said, like the blog, like I was trying to consume as much information. The treatments, when did you start, like, the travel? Like, when? tell me, okay, so you, you, the symptoms show up. That's early on, I'm guessing around 12, 13 or something like that, where it's starting to come obvious. Is that, Mm -hmm. like, do things start to plummet from there? Is that... Um, or was it still a while longer before yeah, things I think got crazy? Corey and I, when did we, let's see, I got mono when I was like 16. I think I got mono about 16. And right after that, I had what they call Wilson syndrome, which is the thyroid disorder. Um, so I would say about 16 is when like everything really started spiraling okay. out of hand. Um, I, you know, we treated, we tried to treat Wilson syndrome naturally instead of, you know, having 16, 17 year old on a whole bunch of thyroid meds and, um, did tons of acupuncture. I mean, I was at the doctor all the time. I had to wear like an alarm clock, you know, like strapped onto me with pills that I had to take very specifically, like every, you know, within two minutes of the alarm going off. You're a pro at this. Like, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I wish I could be a pro at something else. Uh, No kidding. But... So I would say it started then, about then, and then um, it would kind of like flare up and go away. I've had, you know, like maybe once or twice a month, I'll have like a little bit of a sore throat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, doctors, you're tired, you're working, and you're, you know, in your senior year of high school. Um, could the mono have been something, Could would the mono been a result of, a um a weakened immune system or could it have been the thing the culprit that sort of like pushed it overboard yeah we don't know it could yeah. have, it could have been either yeah, yeah. um because beforehand it wasn't as it wasn't bad. as bad i was still kind of a normal kiddo but uh-huh. like getting up in the morning was really really hard yeah. um which is still to this day like i mean i i don't sleep well and if i do sleep i mean there's not a single morning that Corey and the kids wake up with a wife and mom like ready to go. I'm yeah. hours behind them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I was mostly like a normal kid. I still did sports and, and I was super active and pulling late nights and, you know, trying to pull early mornings. Um, but then let's see, I guess fast forward, Corey and I are, he was a year older, is a year older. 
that didn't change, I guess. <laughs> and he goes off to Bible college the year, my, my senior year. And then I follow, and I went the next year. So when, well, I'm curious though, when yeah. did you guys meet? Like how long have y'all known each other? Because you said you 16, like y'all knew each other at 16. <laughs> we did. <laughs> uh, I mean, we kind of knew each other growing up in church. Okay. We just have known each other yeah. for a long time. We were technically like four and five years old oh, when wow. we, you know, started going to the same church. So. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. funny. We knew who each other were for a long time. Right. And, yeah, but like youth group age is when mm-hmm. we, you know, started really hanging out together yeah. and my dad well I I don't know like I get mixed reviews on this story now now <laughs> hindsight but I was told by Corey I thought that my dad asked him to take me to my senior to his senior prom so but I find out about this after our wedding I'm like did he ask you to marry me too? oh wow like was any of this your own day <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> This is a whole other podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow, okay. Talking so, about conspiracy theories. Yeah, there's that one. Oh my gosh. So we... Uh, so you got I, married early on? I early just 20s? turned 20. Okay. Corey turned 21 the week before our wedding. Okay. Yeah. So, and I just know that when Corey had asked for uh, my parents' blessing, correct me if I'm wrong on this, babes, but, um, you know, my, my dad was like, are you sure, like, you can take care of her? You know, mm-hmm. so it was something like... I was always off and on mm. sick was something that like my parents and Corey and I, we all, we all knew I had been big, we fit, we all knew what it was pointing towards. Mm-hmm. But if you brought up the word Lyme disease, um, I mean, it was so quickly shut down that I had no diagnosis. So it was like something that we didn't really, we didn't know how to treat. My parents did the best they could trying to take me here and there and figure it out. I was always researching as much as I could. And Let me ask you this. Your first priority. How did y'all narrow it to Lyme's disease if you're being told no for so long? Nothing else fit. Okay. Yeah. Like, um... Did any doctor ever go, yeah, that's no. what it is? None? Not once. Wow. That's weird. No. I, um... I mean, you know, so I would have, like, hypothyroidism, and then I'd have... Uh, is that right? And then I'd have really high um, cortisol uh-huh. levels and then super low cortisol levels. So they were like, okay, you have Cushing's. Um, then they were like, maybe Crohn's. I mean, it was, we got the gamut. Yeah, Food yeah, allergies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we did we did every test. My parents probably went broke on just me, yeah. you know, just trying to figure it out. We uh-huh. were seeing MDs and naturopaths and acupuncturists. We were seeing food allergy people. I mean, everyone. Wow. So... Um, yeah, mom and dad, you know, make sure that Corey knows what he's getting into, which is a lot with me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. And, uh, and he takes it on. Apparently he said yes, because here we are today, almost 17 years later. <laughs> but, um, we ended up, it wasn't our plan. It was God's plan. We, uh, ended up having our first 13 months after our wedding and, once I gave birth to Hayden, our oldest, who's now going to be 16 in September, um, I got so sick. Mm-hmm. It That was what threw me into really knowing like something horribly is wrong. You yeah. can't, you can't hide it. You can't pretend like it's not there anymore. Um, you know, and things can do that like a high fever or 
different. Everyone said, well, that's crazy. That can't happen, you know? And, um, but I mean, I just got so sick to where I was, I was at a health and science university, probably how many times a month? Two or three, probably. Two or three. But those were like, you know, you were in up there for three or four days at a time. Yeah. So that's, I mean, we were seeing, again, like the whole gamut of doctors in Bend. And then, you know, one thing would lead us to know, well, let's try this. It's still, again, no diagnosis. Like, well, we've got to figure out the cortisol issues. We've got to figure out the thyroid issues. We've got to figure out, like, why aren't you sleeping? And mm-hmm. by not sleeping. So, you know, I have a baby now. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, of course. Um, and everyone, you know, the first thing that comes out of everyone's minds. Well, you got mouths, a baby. Yeah, you got a baby. Of course you're tired. Yeah. I'm like... Okay, like I talked to the wrong person. Because <laughs> um, it wasn't just being tired. Yeah. It was like my, my saying I'm not sleeping. Like I'm physically, I am not sleeping mm-hmm. at all. It's not just the, no, I have no. sleepless nights, which I don't discredit at all. Because um, being a mom with a baby is hard enough. And you lack a lot of sleep. But um, I was physically not sleeping at all. To the point where my organs were shutting down. Jeez. Like it was going to kill me. Yeah. Um, so that became like a huge priority. So it always seemed like there was like this one issue that would just like flare up its ugly head, I guess, so to speak. And then that would be like where all of our emphasis had to go. Right. Because, you know, you start thinking worst case scenario or doctors are like, well, you can't continue like this. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we ended up at shortly after Hayden was born. It was about the time... Yeah, it was after he was born, and then it got really, really bad when he weaned himself. When I quit nursing him, it was. I think that's must be when the the next set of hormones try to mm. come in and like mm-hmm. you know go back to normal. Yeah. Normal womanhood oh or something. So. <laughs> Whatever oh it is, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're, you guys, were in. I get you had two more kids. Mm-hmm. But you during that time, like it's just back and forth. Like, you are in Bend for how long? We were in Bend until 2016. Okay, okay. That's yeah. I was trying to figure out. We had out. all three of our kids in Bend. Okay. Yeah, and so I miscarried after having Hayden. I mm-hmm. miscarried, um, and the babies, Hayden and the baby would have been like 15 months apart. And then we ended up getting pregnant again with Lucy, who came, she ended up being 20 months younger than Hayden. And um, again, not our plan, but wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. And I, again, was pretty good when I was pregnant. And then horrible after I had her. Have you had seasons where things just kind of calm down and you're able to relax for a while? Like, it were, I know that would be odd. Yeah, but when I'm pregnant. But have there been odd seasons when it's just kind of everything's more calm? and The seasons for me, wouldn't you say, are when I'm pregnant and breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then... Well, even that... That even got one doctor to the point of saying, well, maybe we can trick your body with hormones mm-hmm. to make it think that you're pregnant. Yeah. So that you can, yeah. you know, maybe feel better during that time. Mm-hmm. And that was really tempting mm-hmm. because they, after I, after I had Lucy, um, doctors told me that if I had another baby, it would kill me. They said, you can't, you can't keep doing this if you have another one, it uh-huh. will kill you. And so we went to drastic measures not to have another baby, but always wanted three. And um, so that was hard at three weeks to like make a decision where you can't have any more babies. It was like, mm. you, you have all those like post 
pregnancy hormones. I mean, you're holding a three week old and you're like, oh my gosh, like she's everything. Yeah. And then, and I can't, I've got to make this decision not to have one. Doctors say it'll kill me. And you know, I've got a, at that point, 23 month old and a three month old and, or three week old. And, um, yeah, hard. Like that was really hard yeah. and still with no, no answers, just yeah. your body can't handle this. And Ugh. so at that point I really started going up to the hospital like multiple times a month. And so I would be taking a baby and a toddler or two toddlers. This went on for a few years and Corey would get to go every once in a while, but we did have insurance and he had to work obviously to keep that. Of course. And he wasn't working for himself, so he had to go into an office and bend. Um, so, so we you were going to the hospital for I was going to the hospital three hours away, okay. I should say. So yes, um, wow. Wow. up and over the mountain passes um, with the two little ones. And yeah, they would, they would, it was more testing. I was being tested constantly. Uh, yeah. um, I, I mean, there were times where I had Hayden and Lucy in the room, um, like in an, you know, an operating room or something, not, not for surgery, I guess, uh, an exam room, that's the word. And they would be sticking like these huge long needles up into my major muscles and shocking me from the inside to rule out MS. And um, so you were a lab rat, is essentially. I mean, they weren't really out to. Yeah, I mean, they they were trying to find something yeah. wrong with me, and I get that nothing nothing made sense. So you've been tested for everything. Everything except for the the, the one thing. That... And if I asked for it, it was that doesn't exist. I'm not <laughs> doing that. So weird. And then I finally got a doctor in Bend who was like a family friend, more or less. Um, a really well-known MD in Bend, and he, my grandparents called him. He was their, like, you know, general practitioner. And, but he was a, um, what was he? Yeah. Well, no. Mm. He was, he worked on kidneys. What is the practice of kidneys? Anyways, um, he did have a specialty as well. And um, he was like, I'll test you for it. When I brought it up, he's like, I'll test you for it. But, it's a 50-50 false positive, false negative. And even if you test positive for it, I won't treat you for it. Because he didn't know how. It wasn't in, within his specialty. And he also never tried to help me find anyone mm-hmm. who could. I did, at that point, I took the the Western blot, which is, you know, like what insurance will cover. It's the only real test that um, the government has ever put forth on their own. There's a lot of private tests that we've since done that are way better and extremely expensive. Um, but the Western blot, I think it ended up costing me like $14 out of the 51 that you know insurance ended up picking up, and I tested negative. And so, again, that was kind of justification for all the doctors at the time. See, <laughs> you don't have this. Right. You know, um, it literally has a 50-50 false positive, false negative track record. So why we put faith in that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but you would think that there would be a doctor, and I don't know if it's just for fear of losing losing their practice, that there would be an opportunist out there that would be like, hey, I'll take this one. Mm -hmm. I'll go after this. Well, and I I think that there are, and I I think that that field is growing. Um, The difficulty in it is... It's such a complicated disease. Right. Um, I mean, it looks like a bunch of different diseases, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's... Celebrities, I mean, one, you know, well-known around this area is Chris Christopherson. You know, he was on uh, Alzheimer's meds Parkinson's. for or Parkinson's, yeah. you know, for, for years and years and years. And he didn't even have that. Wow. 
um, you know, he ended up having Lyme and he actually felt better off of those meds and treating the actual Lyme. Um, So the difficulty is because it's not a textbook thing where you can say, here's the medications that resolves this. Um, It's very symptomatic from patient to patient. And, you know, when, uh, I mean, within, with any business, you know, you, you have certainly certain rates for things and, and this and that. And it's, very difficult when treating something is essentially an ongoing experiment of finding the right combinations of, you know, medications and vitamins and, you know, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things where honestly, um, you know, doctors and because insurance doesn't cover it, they're having to give a lot of time to research and, you know, time practicing different methods and and testing that it's not it's not something that they can just say you have the flu here's this you have this it doesn't fit into Mm -hmm. any sort of category like that so you know while it's it's easy to say that at the same time you know when especially with this the how healthcare is now I mean it's all about how many people you can get in and out of the doors and and Lyme just is not it doesn't fit into that. So mm-hmm. you, you have to find those doctors. And that's why there's the 10 month waiting list for, for the people who specialize this, or you end up going out of the country, which, you know, we've now done twice. Are there more, are there, have you met more people that are in your circumstance? Have you, yes. have you guys come across people that are, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not alone. Yeah. That's the thing. Like people will say if the, well, when we were in Bend, uh, the news channel did like a little story on us. And for a while there, it was like I was getting inundated with emails where, you know, it was all these people like, oh my gosh, I finally found someone else. And I'm like, if y'all weren't afraid to talk about it, mm-hmm. because there was this like stigma. Like if you talk about Lyme, I mean, no one here believes about it. Again, speaking about being on the West Coast in yeah. Central Oregon, um, you know, people just think you're crazy. And so people were like afraid to talk about it. Lyme was like, it was like one of those curse words where, you know, you bring it up and oh my gosh, uh, you're, you're nuts yeah. or you really don't have a clue or you're making this up, those sorts of things. So people weren't talking about it. And I finally, I was just like, you guys, like I would tell people, why don't you start talking about it? Because I guarantee you, your mom's aunt's friend has it or your dad's, you know, (laughs) uncle or whatever. Like it is so prevalent and it finally hit, it's starting to hit a breakthrough Mm -hmm. where we're hearing about it constantly and it's not just like hey guys i heard about this family the pratts they have it it's like no we're one of hundreds of thousands wow that's that's good it is good it it sucks but it's good at the same time you know like we're just the progress hopefully yes figuring it out yeah it is amazing with as far as we've come in medicine Mm -hmm. and technology (laughs) that this is just kind of on the shelf and I go back and forth between being angry about it yeah. and just being thankful that we're hopefully finally getting somewhere. Yeah. But then, you know, a whole nother rabbit trail is the co-infections of it and some of what I'm dealing with. Again, we're back to square one with, like, no one's heard of it. Oh, my gosh, I met this girl, Danielle, and she's dealing with these co-infections. I've never heard of this. It's like, then we're just not talking about it. Right, because it started with one thing and it's morphed into... Yeah, and, and it was probably there all along uh-huh. is the thing, but... It uh, became very pronounced when we finally found a cure for Lyme. And okay. then when the Lyme was gone. Yeah. So then you guys stayed in Bend till 16, 2016? Yeah. And then moved to... So in the meantime, yeah, we ended up... We had 
we did end up having another baby and I did not die. So that's why there's five years between our second and third. Um, and that was just such a blessing. We held her and the tears of, yeah, truly. I mean, the tears of joy were very much so real (laughs) and I felt, we felt complete. And so, um, it's something we always wanted. And then, you know, when you're told you can't have that, one of the greatest desires of your heart, it's, it's a hard thing to try to keep stuffing down, yeah. you know, like, yeah. okay, I don't really need this. Yeah. And you know, the, the, um, biological clock or, or the mother, whatever you would call that, that, that that's like, that's hard to stop. Like mm-hmm. from when, like even joy, like it was just, it's just like once that said that starts moving forward, it's hard to like, it is. Take off the track. Like, yeah. I want to be a that's mom. That's how God wires us. Yeah. Guys are like, yeah, you know, we have one. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's, yeah, it was just, I had always, since I was little, which is so crazy that God fulfilled this, like what I thought my little childhood dream was. I always wanted one boy and then two girls in that order. How and fun. I have no idea why. I think I always thought, oh, it'd be cool to have a big brother. It's deja vu. Yeah. And then he like gave that to yeah. me. And I'm like, why did you care about this? Like, what if I was wrong? But he's not. Yeah. He's got it. And so, yeah, we end up with the three kids and um, finally found, I was going to see a rolfer because I was having tremendous pain in my neck, uh, head. My, my migraines were out of control. Um, How many different types of doctors have you seen? Oh, I should make a list. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's got to be, a, out there, it's gotta be across. It. Yeah. Wow. They have speculated or diagnosed me with ALS, MS, Cushing's. Or pituitary Cushing's, Crohn's, um, everything but cancer. Yeah. Yeah. They um, wanted to do surgery to remove tumors in my brain that ended up not being there. Um, We've really gone through it. When they, I guess I should back up a little bit to, again, when Corey was in Bend working um, and I was over at the hospital with Hayden and Lucy really little. I had them watching. It must've been like a little, I don't know, at home or like travel DVD player in the corner of the, the exam room. And the doctor, he walks in and he sits down and he's like, you have months to live, take this. And you know, you basically swallow these pills and you might live longer. So I started taking pills that were drugging me to sleep, drugging me to wake up, um, because I wasn't sleeping. So they don't know what's wrong with me. They've removed every diagnosis from my chart. Um, they say that I'm sleeping fine, yet getting no REM sleep. Um, While you're taking the drug? This is before I start taking anything. Okay. So this is when they're doing, like they were doing studies on me with melatonin. Um, I had like the head of endocrinology at this major university, like university hospital, and he was 70s, 80s. I feel like he was like probably in his 80s. Mm-hmm. Super great guy. Really liked him, and he would travel and like teach about using melatonin and I'm like great melatonin is like a part of our bodies that God actually put in us like let's try to just reset this if that's really the problem and again they're at this point thinking that everything is stemming back to me not sleeping which sleep is so crucial so um he's doing this study with me and I'm not getting any better like I'm taking the melatonin like I'm supposed to and and I'm just seeing no results and um so then they've got me you know on different things bunch of different stuff and I don't even know why I'm taking it at this point and then they come in and they tell me you know you have months to live take these pills so I mean I'm taking like I mean major things like trazodone clorazepate clorazepam 
Um, it's been so long since I've taken them, but they're basically anti-seizure medicines or anti-psychotic medicines mm-hmm. that they were using to treat me for sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, because what they can tell is that my thing I'm saying is like, listen, I haven't slept. You know, I'm driving over the mountain passes with two toddlers. My husband has to keep working so we have insurance and I'm not sleeping. Yeah. Um, so they're like, well, maybe that's what's causing all of this, which I'm sure could cause a lot of it. Um, so I start taking all of this stuff and I'm now, you know, the kids are getting older. They're going to a private Christian school and I'm like, or Hayden is at this point and I'm driving him there and I would get to the parking lot and sometimes I would call Corey and I'd be like, I don't even remember driving here, but I know that I got here and the kids are safe. Um, and I don't even know what was going through his mind at this time. Like it was, it was just crazy. I don't know. I really remember very little from those years, unfortunately. And, um, I, I have, that's when I would say I started having major, like short-term memory loss Mm -hmm. and it never, it's just never come back. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where like my parents will be like, yeah, remember this car? I'm like, I don't even remember you guys owning that car. They're like, you drove it all the time. Like just random things are like a horse. They said we had this one horse and I don't recall ever having a white horse. Wow. So just stuff like that. Like uh, I should remember there are holes in, uh, in my memory and I, it, but it's kind of like it ties in with these really crazy drugs I was on. So then we, uh, it's like Christmas time and I've always run off a lot of stress. I'm kind of a high stress person. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we know I burn up my adrenals and so I'm, I run off adrenaline. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to take, I was, forgetting to eat. I have no appetite. So Corey was having to remind me to eat and I, I forgot to eat for a few days and I forgot to take my pills because I have to take my pills with medicine. So I start having these horrible like brain zaps, but I had no clue what they were, but I realized, Oh my gosh, I forgot to take these pills and that can be life threatening. And my doctor was on a medical mission trip in Guatemala and I'm like, I can't get a hold of him. If I call the ER or go in, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, she's off all these crazy antipsychotic medicines. They're going to put me, like admit me somewhere. And so I just stay off of them for a month. And I'm just pretty much bedridden coming off of this stuff. And um, I felt so much better. Like I would say it was about a month and the fog and everything was off of it. I went downstairs and saw Corey in the office. And I was like, this is going to sound crazy, but red is red. Like colors looked bright and vivid to me and I remember driving here (laughs) yes it was those crazy things and I later told the doctor I was like so this happened you were gone I had no one to get a hold of that would like take me seriously and not just put me in a psych ward and um I'm not ever going on this stuff again Mm -mm. he's like I don't even know how you're still alive I mean I was on elephant doses of these things and um that's a piece of my story that I forget about. No, but he was seeing me locally in Bend. The doctors that prescribed it were the ones in the Valley of Oregon. Yeah. So, um, but he was seeing me intermittently to like do random test results and try to keep me from having to go over the mountains all the time. So that was a huge thing that I too often forget. Um, so there was that piece of it. Like, were they trying to kill you? I mean, like, to take that <laughs> I don't much, think so. Just... But, um... They were they... just, you know, every every doctor is trying to resolve the symptom that they see. And, right. and in that case, it was sleep. 
Um, I mean, one of the beneficial things that we were getting in Bend was iron. She, she's had a lot of iron issues and, mm -hmm. you know, she was getting infusions of iron. That same you know, doctor who... A couple of months and, and that was yeah. by far one of the most beneficial things yes, for her body that, for sure. that we could have a doctor do. And that was the doctor who was on the mission, the missions trip. He he would run tests, and he's like, for some reason, your ferritin is always like basically gone. I'd be down to like a three or a three point five. Wow. And ferritin's a crucial part of your iron. It's the protein, one of the proteins in your iron. And so that became kind of the new mystery and ongoing ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. So I come off of all these antipsychotics and. Uh, I kind of like, I feel pretty good. I'm not like, I, I still wasn't well, but mm. I was so much better than feeling drugged my right, whole life. Right. And like, I was just never awake and I was never present mm. and, um, and colors were colors again. And things that I noted, didn't ever notice were gone, were suddenly back, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so I was like, I'm just going to quit seeing doctors. No one knows what's going on with me. So I think we took like 16 months off. And that puts us back at me starting to see the Rolfer, who was, I mean, I could just, I miss her. She's become a friend, and I just want to go back and hug her and squeeze her and say thank you so much. Yeah. Because through her, that is when she finally convinced me to go to her friend, who was a naturopath and MD. And we finally started getting, you know, answers. Yeah. Somebody who is willing to at least take the time to, yes. you know, look for different viruses and, and organisms and you know, mm -hmm. from a slightly more, I guess, holistic approach as opposed to symptom-based. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask about the holistic approach just because, I mean, you know, it seems like there was a period of time in, in history where, like, Eastern medicine was always seen as crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're in this period of time where it's flipped, where, like, Western medicine is nuts because the narrative is, well, we'll just... We'll just drug you and see if that it's a works. Bandage. Whereas Lots of like it's a bandage, the yeah. Eastern medicine is like, let's find what the what's causing this right. and then work from that. You mm -hmm. know, like yeah. So have, and have I you guys found the holistic thing has been more effective or it's been a real mix. Because uh -huh. I respect Western medicine in its mm -hmm. place. I know like I'm so thankful for for the doctors who have a Western med degree that have really helped me mm -hmm. and at the same time I would not be where I'm at today at all without the holistic mm -hmm. more eastern side too it's been a, a pairing of the two was she in Bend as well or the Rolfer uh -huh. the Rolfer was in Bend yep okay. so this whole time we're still in Bend okay and, and the naturopath is in Bend mm -hmm. as well and I think um you know one of the key things is as well with this doctor um you know, he definitely was not, he was familiar with Lyme. He was familiar with treating a lot of these other kinds of like parasites and things that, that we all have in our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, but he was a doctor that was willing to, and encouraged Danielle to do research on her own mm -hmm. and say, look, I, you know, I found these people talking about this. Is this something that we can test for? Mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or I found this. Can you look at it from a medical perspective and see? And so he would do digging on his time yeah. and say, hey, you know, let's, you know, these tests are going to be expensive, but let's look for it because, you know, we might be able to mm -hmm. find some something out of this. So he was, well, he didn't really know how to treat Lyme. He knew and was willing to 
explore different things right, and, right. and research things and um and we did not go to him to be treated for Lyme. No. I did this dance basically with every new doctor for a long time where I would like, okay, how can I not bring up Lyme disease? Mm. But maybe see if they'll bring it up on their own. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it's there and and you know, more years have passed, right? And so we we're still studying and I'm not sleeping, so I'm staying up all night researching and retaining very little of what I research, but everything when I you know, when I get up to start my day, I just remember everything I read last night pointed to this again without yeah. me wanting it to or making it, making it, you know. And so I'm seeing this doctor, and we were seeing him again because my ferritin, once again, the part of my iron, was just gone. So, you know, you have no iron, you have no energy. Which causes, why why does that disappear? How so does... I had to discover that on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody knew. I mean, we were seeing no somebody who, who specialized in that. Like, I mean, the doctor that was giving Danielle iron couldn't find any reason why it, no. it disappeared. was disappearing. Yeah. Just, he's like, you know, are you bleeding out? Are you, I mean, we had like, we were doing every test possible. Where am I losing blood? You know, and, um, and women are just genetically less, I mean, they're we're more predisposed to being anemic, right? right? So, but it wasn't that. And mm-hmm. so I, um, we're seeing the new doctor and he's giving me uh, instead of doing ferritin IVs, he's doing ferritin injections, and this is horribly painful, and I am bruising like crazy, getting them, you know, alternating hips for these injections every day, and I mean, I look like I've been beat up, yeah. and so, um, you know, summertime, I'm covering up, and you're not going to see me in a bathing suit, because I look like yeah. my husband beats me, <laughs> and um, so anyways, we go in, and one of these days, he's like, you know, have you ever thought about testing for Lyme disease? And I can't even tell you, like, I'm trying to hold it together, like, yeah. sitting there, yeah, right? That, and that. and I was like, yes, my whole life. And I can't Since tell like you. Since, like, 13. He's, yeah, and he's like, he's like, why haven't you ever brought this up? I'm like, because I was afraid of running you off, you know? And so we we do another Western blot, which is, you know, the, the cheap test that the government puts forth. And we do a bunch of testing from hygienics labs along with others. Um can't remember off the top of my head now, but Igenix is one of like the leading forefront labs and, you know, expensive and we do this and it sure enough comes back Lyme disease and we do it again and it comes back Lyme disease, you know, and, and very positive for Lyme. So why, like, I mean, it's still so bizarre to me that's whole like, it makes me want to go into medicine <laughs> and fight with y'all. You and me both. <laughs> like, I still had my whole brain, you know. Out, like, what, why, like, why was this so complicated for a doctor to do that and find, you know, to test and it test positive mm-hmm. and then like... Again, I think it comes to the scope of licensing. Yeah. Like he's a naturopath um, and I believe yeah, an MD true. as well. Yeah. And so he's not, he's not just in, you know, he, he can practice beyond yeah, being an MD. Yeah, he can come outside the lines mm-hmm. a little bit. And yeah. so, and he was running a private practice and they did not, you had to submit your own insurance claims if you had it. And at this point we don't have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we have a medical share plan, but it was a pre-existing condition. So, you know, nothing will still touch yeah. me. Um, but he, he was willing to be creative. And I kind of think it almost takes a doctor who's, who thrives off of figuring out new things and thinking, yeah. okay, well, what could this person's body possibly, you know, be yeah. lacking or needing or going through and, and really realizing that God made all of us different. And even if you don't acknowledge God, 
that, that everyone's different. It doesn't right. take a genius to see that your neighbor is different yeah. than you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, and it is, you know, it is because of the, uh, the time crunch that doctors are under now. Mm-hmm. Like, it does take a special person to go, okay, I'm willing to spend the extra time with you. Yeah. And that's what it requires based it off does. of our bodies are different rather than, well, yeah. it looks like this. Let me prescribe what I prescribed the last five people who walked mm-hmm. through the door. They look like this. Exactly. And then, you know, he started learning alongside us. He would tell me, he was the first doctor who had said, you know, you have to be your own best advocate. Mm-hmm. Start making a binder. And, you know, I had my binder. I had binder upon binder. Yeah, I mean, you, you should be paid as a doctor <laughs> because you probably but know just as much. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we're, we're all learning together. But I think it's really important that people realize that you know your body better mm-hmm. than anyone else. Yeah. You can't pay someone to know your body like you do. Yeah. And, um, and if you are not sleeping, that should be taken seriously and not just being sleep deprived, right. you know, or, um, just all these, all these things that it can, I mean, I should have written a list of my symptoms because it's an, it's crazy how Lyme can be a great imitator of so many different things. And, yeah. and it's all symptom based, like Corey said. And, um, so yeah, we finally, you know, we found that doctor and then it was kind of like, okay, 25 years later, I have a diagnosis but what does this, what does this mean? Mm. You know, where do we go from here? Like this whole time, I feel like we've been like treating different little, well, not little, but different issues, different symptoms. And now we're like, okay, this, it has a name. And though we've kind of speculated and known that's what it was for so long, now what? Mm-hmm. And he didn't have those answers and no one really had those answers. And um, they were working to keep me alive with iron infusions. And so, or injections in his office. And so I was getting those, like I said, all the time. I was in the office five to six days a week Jeez. for a few hours every day. The injections were fast, but I was getting like Myers infusions or Myers cocktails where it's like high doses of, you know, selenium, magnesium, vitamin C, zinc, potassium. Um, like athletes will get them yeah. for, you know, before. For a boost. Yeah, 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 for a boost or like recovery. Um and then I started, you know, doing IV antibiotics and um, glutathione and PTC, which PTC. is phosphatidylcholine, yeah. high dose vitamin C. Are you, are you taking this because of the symptoms, or are they? Are you taking it because your life is in jeopardy in the sense that are you still on the time crunch of them thinking you're going to die soon? And so I've outlived that. This is like a few years later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably. Several years later, I've been given this months to live. This is more just to try to stop times. the pain, stop the misery, and get your body to be it's trying fun- fully to functional. Keep the Lyme at, from growing mm-hmm. more or less. We knew that this wouldn't kill the Lyme disease because it was way too far out of hand. But we were trying to rein it in enough that we could keep it from continually, like just becoming more and more of an aggressive army. Yeah, it's amazing know. that the Lyme disease isn't just exhausted. Right? And I'm ready to get like off. me? Yeah, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> Where's the white flag? <laughs> no, I mean, like, you figure that whatever this thing is, yeah. that it would just be done, and there would be a day where it's just kind of like. I'm still praying for that. I mean, it's bizarre that yeah. that's. I mean, it sounds like it's just this nasty, rotating sort of. It's horrible. Yeah. It has, it can take on different forms in your body. Um, there's now, you know, people. I used to always tell people. Lyme disease, it becomes a cyst. Like the spirochetes can run from you and become a cystic form. And I still believe they can become a cystic form. Doctors Mm -hmm. are now saying 
it's not feasible to call them assist because of some medical terminology. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what. But basically what happens is the spirochetes, they can run from you and run from, like, medicine if mm-hmm. you throw it at them. Mm-hmm. And so if you start giving them, <clears throat> throwing antibiotics at it to try to kill it, they form a cystic something. Mm-hmm. I call it a cyst. And a cyst has a biofilm around it. And so antibiotics bounce off a biofilm. So I am taking... A, at this time, I'm taking like these huge like biofilm busters that basically break down. You know, they're supposed to break the the outside shell of the mm-hmm. cyst so that the antibiotics can penetrate into it and hopefully kill it. How many of those we killed, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm an extremely like extremely black and white person. I'm like, there's good and there's evil. It limes dead or alive. I don't do this right. middle thing. Mm-hmm. So the doctor at this point is telling Corey and I like, you just have to learn to manage symptoms. Like. You, you suppress it enough, you ride this wave out, like Change you were asking. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. It's still alive. And all I'm doing is waiting for it to rear up again, and then we knock it down again. And I don't know how people live like that. And mm-hmm. I, I looked at the doctor, and I was like, I've done this for over two decades of my life. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm not going to keep riding this out. There has to be an answer. And he says, well, you're welcome to keep looking because, you know, he doesn't know at this point. Yeah. So I start just doing my thing where I'm like, well, I'm not sleeping. I'm in a research. And um, we come, I find this place in Bad Eibling, Germany. Um, and they, it's, uh, what was it called? Clinic St. George. Yeah, Clinic St. George. Um, or in the U.S., St. George Clinic. <laughs> and <laughs> they like to do everything backwards. And um, I call them and... Anyways, they, yeah, come. And it's basically, it's like this crazy, intense treatment where they they more or less cook you from the inside. Jeez. You, so you, it's called um, extreme hyperthermia. And you go up to 108 degrees. There's close to 108 as they can safely get you. Um, you stay in the hospital. Now they do a three-week treatment. Mine, Corey and I's was two weeks. Um, and it's meant to essentially fry the disease that kind of was yeah so Lyme disease the Borrelia bacteria can exist in up to 105 degrees mm-hmm. temperature so there's uh, other clinics like in different parts of the world like there's one in Canada I think Australia has some um, where they do intense hyperthermia and it goes like up to 104 105 degrees mm-hmm. and people will go to those like every year every couple of years to maintain. So again, me, I'm like, that's great. <laughs> We're going with the black and white method. <laughs> I want done. it dead. Yeah. I don't want. I don't look forward to doing that nah. every year or two. So we go to St. George Clinic, um, and Corey and I check into the hospital, and my parents stayed across the street at a hotel with the kids because I was nervous. It's like, you know, if something goes wrong, yeah. like I want the kids close. I want to, you know, God willing, never have to, but say those final goodbyes mm-hmm. and. Um, so we go and you're doing all these IVs to like pump your body up and, you know, keep it full. Basically the same thing I was doing in Oregon. Cause I showed the doctor, I said, I found this article in Australia, uh, an Australian medical article. And, um, this, this lady went to this hospital and bought Eibling and this is what she did beforehand with great success went and she's Lyme disease free. I'm like, I want to do this. Can you support me? And he was like, yes, let's go. So I do like a really strong two-month protocol leading up to leaving and then basically get to Germany and continue that exact thing. Mm. Um, I had all of my amalgam fillings removed from my mouth before going, and we did, we did so much, so much. And uh, 
Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's a glimmer of hope that this might be the, yeah. the end of the... Yeah. yeah. This is my black or white. Like, this is yeah. my answer. And just asking the Lord to help it be. And uh, then the news story happens. Our church um, in Bend, Oregon helps get behind us and do a little bit of fundraising. And we go. And so we're there. Um, I gave Lyme disease to Corey um, because I guess we didn't talk about that, but it can be transmitted sexually and in utero. Oh, wow. And it doesn't have to be. And again, there's a ton of doctors who still believe that it can't be. Um, But we are living proof that it can be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, and our kids now deal with it in different varying degrees. Um, But we we knew that we had to get any better before. Mm -hmm. I mean, someone's, the mom kind of has to be able to take care of everyone, right? right? So. But not as intense Right. No, not okay. yet. Okay. 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 But since we know that it asexually multiplies, mm-hmm. we don't know what that will look like. Right, of course. Um, but yes, praise God, mm-hmm. not, not as intense right now. So yeah, we go and we undergo this extreme hyperthermia. I do it twice. Corey does it once. Um, and so we're, un- we're consciously sedated for nine hours each time. Um, they remove all of your senses and heat you up internally to, I went to 107.6 degrees, including my brain. Everyone's always, their first question is, your brain was out, right? No, because Lyme's smart. So you don't stick your head out. There's places in the U.S. now that will put you in like this hot suit, but your head's out. The first thing they do is they run for your head. I'm like, why do I, I want to give them a safe place to get to? Like, let's crawl up in my brain even more so. And Kill, you know, whatever decides oh to be stupid and stay in the lower. <laughs> Talk about a date. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a hot yeah. date. So, yeah, real hot day. So, we do that. You're there for how long? In the hospital for two weeks, but um, in each, like each treatment lasted about nine hours from the time they start sedating okay. you to the time they cool you off and you come back out. And how do they, how do they raise your body temperature? Like, how does that? Are you in a, a like a thermal sort of thing? Or it's kind of just... like an incub- like an egg incubator. Really. Okay. I mean, you're in a bed with yeah. big lights over you. And, and like these m- like blankets around the sides. Just like being near the sun. I mean, I was sedated. Yeah. <laughs> I was sedated. I really don't recall. We go in early in the morning, and I can see the bed that I'm getting on. You know, you kind of put like a robe on or something. I mean, you strip down to just get on this hot bed and you have an ICU doctor at your bedside and you receive 11 liters of fluid or more if needed because you're sweating so much um and they're monitoring you've got you know monitor pro like what are those called those little sticky things like all over you um and they're making sure that you know every function including your brain of your body is working well and that's why you're just consciously sedated um and then you wake up in a recovery room and you, the next day, you feel totally normal. I mean, it's not like you... So there's no side effects or anything like no. that? No. The only side effects are just, you know, basically waking up from the sedation. Yeah. Really yeah. And I threw up each time, you know, after, like, in waking up from the sedation. Yeah. I'd never been sedated. I mean, talk about, like, healthy person. Yeah, aside from Lyme disease. So. Yeah. I'd never, I mean, it, I'm healthy and never had any surgeries or anything, you know? So... We did that. The second time, we both went under the, the same day. So my first time, it's just me, you know, mom and Corey and dad and the kids are all, and Corey's waiting for me to come out. Yeah. And then, you know, letting my mom and dad and the kids know. And then 
And the second time, I was like, is this ridiculous? What happens if something happens to both of us? Because we both went under at the same time and end up in the recovery room at the same time. And um, then my mom had her hands full because Corey, we now know, is very loopy after sedation. (laughs) 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 So that was fun. And, uh, yeah, I think everyone will get good laughs out of that for the rest of our lives. Uh. um, Good news was after that, we were... Considered 100% Lyme disease-free. Wow. Praise okay. God. Yeah. yeah. So. But, I mean, there's... Giant butt after uh-huh. that. Yeah. So we get back home. We come back to Bend. And that was about... So we were in Germany. We got to even sneak away and see a bit of Austria and Italy. With yeah, but the if kids you're going to do that, you might as well. Do it well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, we come back. Like September 1st, basically. We were gone about a month total and come back and life kind of tries to go back to normal. You're weak. Like, you're really weak. Corey's been, you know, a CrossFit athlete for, like, an at-home CrossFit athlete, not like a competing one, but for a long time. And he was in really good shape. And, I mean, watching him try to do, like, simple, like, box jumps afterwards, I remember. Um, You know, just you're weak. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's basically like internal sterilization mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. I tell people. And um, so, you know, you got to rebuild all of that. And we get into holidays and we were hosting, we lived on a ranch and had a home that we like to open up. So we were hosting holidays and Christmas Eve comes around and I start having seizures. Yeah. And so, and at that point we know. Which is what your daughter talked about. Like that's when it started, right? Yeah. Around that. Okay. Yeah. So that was. That same year, we were in Germany, August of 2016. So yeah, I was I was diagnosed like February or March of 2016 in Germany, August. I believe that's right. So like five months later. And yeah. then we start having these seizures Christmas Eve. Like my parents were still at our house and I think everyone else had pretty much left. And yeah. Was, was there um, like an emotional like kind of like, I mean, because you're coming back going, we're done. Like, no more of this. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, was that kind of me? I would imagine, like, you would probably think emotionally, you, you think you're closing a chapter on, on life. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, was that. To a point, I mean, we knew there was still a long recovery ahead based on other people Danielle had talked to mm-hmm. that had been there and just other things she'd read. I mean, there was still, um, you know, we still needed to go see the doctor that we hadn't been to continue like the vitamins and and things like that. So I mean, we were we were aware that there was still a road of, yeah, of, of something ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we but, weren't aware of was that like before we went, Corey and I had um, co-infection panels run, and so you know those like we still haven't had those run on the kids, but it's like about for us at the time it was about $3,500 a person so it's like a huge extensive co-infection panel to test for all of Lyme's co-infections and I had Babesia duncani Bartonella and EBV which is an Epstein-Barr virus um, which goes back to mono um, but it can also be a co-infection and so we know that I had those and Corey did not so we just knew he has the Borella, you know, the Lyme, and I have the Lyme and these three co-infections. Um, and so... And you knew this going to Germany? We did. Okay. And yeah. we knew that Babesia was 100% heat resistant. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. 
um, obese. anything stand. I know. <laughs> Bartonella, we, like Germany, they would say, you know, we don't have any like hard facts that we can kill it. We specifically treat the Lyme, but we have a good hunch that Bartonella can also be cured by the heat. Yeah. And Bartonella is also known as cat scratch fever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, that's a more common mm-hmm. one. You can literally get it from a cat scratch. But it can also be a co-infection of a tick. And I haven't really looked into Bartonella as much as the other two, the Lyme and the Babesia. Because um, it feels less threatening, maybe? Is that, is that why you didn't Yeah, know? and I just never had as many of the symptoms mm-hmm. that would point to having Bartonella, okay. though we know that I tested positive for it. So yeah. we, um, what happened when we got back from Germany, now we know the Lyme, I tell people it was like a weighted blanket. The Lyme was like the most rampant disease in my body, but it was weighing down the Babesia co-infection enough that once that was gone, Babesia went crazy in my uh, body. So yeah, the okay. Babesia, it lives in your red blood cells. Um, and we found out that uh, when we were talking about, you know, figuring out what eats your ferritin, um, the doctor in Bend that we were seeing, he was like, you know, we got to figure out what's sequestering your iron. And he said the term sequestering, which isn't like brilliant, really. But right. I was like, well, that might be medical. Like, I'm constantly searching what's eating my iron, what's depleting my iron, what's, what's destroying my iron, you know. And I literally that night, and, you know, I type in what sequesters ferritin. And it comes up with Babesia. Oh, wow. And this is right before I'm officially diagnosed with Lyme disease. So, yeah, like, we're okay. still waiting on our test results. Yeah. And I go in the next day to the doctor, and I'm like, listen, like, I used your term sequestering, and this is what it came up with. And he's like, Babesia, right? And I was like, yes. And he's like, I know. I did the same thing last night. And I'm like, I know I've got Lyme. And he's like, we got to wait for your results. You know, so we're waiting. We're testing for Babesia. And it comes back, and Babesia strictly, like, its sole source of food is ferritin. Oh, wow. So while we've been, for years now, right, trying to keep me alive with ferritin infusions, where they'll, you know, I'll go in and I'll get, like, six to ten infusions in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll fill me up, like, it'll show, like, a false high for a while, because you get an infusion and more of it stays in your body, and then over the next, like, I think they say 20 days, it kind of levels off to where it should be. So, you know... It's like a pendulum, like they fill me up in my level, say like 450 or 500, and then six, you know, three to six months later, I'm down to a, a five or a three. Um, I don't think it shows below three. So you're, are you, I mean, you're, you're almost borderline, you need it, but you're almost borderline feeding. Oh, we're the fully disease. feeding it. We're mm-hmm. making it rabid. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's literally going crazy. Yeah. But you're walking that fine line between how do you stay alive? All right, all right. And then how do you defeat a disease where, with Lyme disease, you know, now, I mean, they say there's a cure. They say it's the antibiotics, which we know if you're first bit and you get enough of them, great. The antibiotics can, they can kill it. Mm -hmm. But if it's a chronic infection and it's gone on any more than six months untreated, good luck, Mm -hmm. you know. But there are cures for it. You Mm -hmm. can go get, you know, this hyperthermia. Um, And, but with Babesia, there is, there is no known cure. So we're like, great, you know, it's going to keep eating my ferritin and it's trying to stop my heart. Um, so that's what our new mission has been. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, great. The Lyme disease is gone. And at the same time, crap, the Lyme disease is gone. Right. And now there's nothing. You always want it back. I mean, in the sense of... I would have done it in the other order. Yeah. Yeah. I would not, knowing what I know now, I would not have killed the Lyme disease or targeted it on its own maybe yeah. is what I would say I would have 
gone to the doctor we went to in Mexico first mm. because he he will treat it all. Okay. Or I at least would have gone to him first and targeted the Babesia, the Bartonella, and then gone to Germany to brush up on the yeah, line if I needed to. Yeah. So seizures start Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Right? And then, um, which obviously is probably a, a shock to the system in the sense like, what in the world is happening? Yeah, we have no that's the first no time you experience that, right? Right. Yeah. So then, memory serves correct. You guys move like that fast? Is that right? Is it immediately after that? They yeah, the seizures went on. I mean, the seizures were ha- were a nightly occurrence. Um, it would happen every night about what eight thirty or so. Yeah, they would start mm-hmm. usually, and um, you know, last for about an hour before the pain started subsiding. Yeah. Um, generally, and then finally, we just you know we needed something different mm-hmm. and, and we knew the cold um, we should say we knew the cold was yeah, onsetting my pain right. and then the pain yeah. was making me the pain was like overtaking my body and mm-hmm. causing seizure like episodes or seizures and, and we had taken a trip to Hawaii earlier in the year um, for some family stuff and and it was just she and I that went mm-hmm. and I mean the minute we landed she pretty, I mean, she felt good right. for the week and a half that we were there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, for us, it really was like, I mean, that was the only thing that we really knew to do mm-hmm. in order to, to get some relief. We were in the middle of a pretty hard winter um, and we just, mm-hmm. we needed something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I was now just living inside. We were trying to like, well, okay, let's not have Daniel go outside at all. Because if I get cold, like, I feel like there's, like, these rubber bands in my neck and shoulders. And they, like, they start tightening to the point where I am in so much pain in my head and neck that I'm going into these seizure episodes. And there's no, we were like, there's no explanation for this. This is, we have no clue what's going on. I couldn't regulate my body temperature, Hmm. um, which is a Babesia thing. Um, And so we, the easiest quickest thing for us my parents actually booked us one-way tickets to Hawaii and um, we should mention that Corey's family they were missionary families there hundreds of years ago so it's like the quickest easiest and cheapest for a short period of time like we can land at an empty home that the family had there everyone thought it was like extravagant oh my gosh like you're going to this shop I'm like okay (laughs) like we don't know if I'm going to make it through any night Corey and the kids and my parents would come up at night, um, and I mean, they're having to palpitate my chest and slap my face, blow in my face, like, bring me back. Like, yeah. I am completely not breathing, and, and we've never had to experience this. And mm-hmm. so, like, not knowing if I'm going to make it through the night, and... Your kids are... This is three years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. at that point, they're... 13. 11, 10... Wait. <laughs> Clearly, 12, I can't do math. Here I am homeschooling. 12, 11, and... 12, 11, and 5, 4, 5. Yeah. And that's not, it didn't sound, that's obviously incredibly scary for them. Mm -hmm. Did they, like, did they make the turn pretty quick in, like, in dealing with it and trying to, like, is is your daughter your oldest? She's not her oldest. Yeah, our son's the oldest. And I would say that our son, Hayden and Lucy, are now 15 and 13-year-olds. They they were Corey's right hands Mm -hmm. during that. You know, it'd be... Mommy's water. Get mom a straw. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need these drops. I was doing these drops. Yeah. Um, they would... 
uh, bring ice packs, bring heat blankets, bring you name it. Yeah. Um, we never knew when it would start for sure. And the blessing that I liked at that point was that Gray, our little one, she was always in bed by then. Oh, so yeah. we could hide it from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was still, Jeez. you know, knowing that Hayden and Lucy grew up really just knowing mom's been given months to live, mm-hmm. mom's sick, mom's dying. These lies, really, right. um, you know, they, I don't feel like they had a childhood. So for me, that was something I could protect in right. her. Right. And I know, like, when I was conscious and going through the these pain and seizure episodes, I know I, I can still hear myself being like, where's Gray? Where's Gray? Was yeah. I always saying that? Yeah. Like yeah. asking? Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, don't worry, she's in bed. You know, she's asleep. She's in bed. She's not seeing this. Or the older kids would go, you know, take her upstairs and... Try to read her a book. Or watch a movie or something like that. Um, So there's been a lot of fear. Yeah, Yeah, of course. There's been a lot of fear. And and I wish that I could... Sometimes I wish I could go back and undo that. But then I see how good God's been through watching Hayden and Lucy now. Like, you know, they may not have had what I would consider, like, the childhood I wanted them Mm -hmm. to have. And not knowing fear or troubles or these things, mm-hmm. but they are, they're not perfect, and I don't want perfect because that would be so beyond boring, right? Oh, of course. But they, for one, they, I mean, the first and foremost, they love their Savior more than, I mean, I tell people now, I'm like, I just want to know my Jesus like mm-hmm. they do. I love their faith. Um, it's I mean, unshakable. Yeah, I mean, and that's, like, Especially in our Western spoiled brat culture, like we think like the good life is the easy life, you know? Right. And it's like you almost find like the people that you respect the most are the people that went through it. You know what I mean? Mm. And like if you didn't have the difficulty, I mean it, it sucks when you're in the middle of it, but if you don't if you don't have those experiences mm-hmm. and you don't have perspective on what's really important and, and how you know what I mean? Like it just it feels like sometimes we kind of we want this give me my phone, computer, let me go on vacations, and right. and, and, and we miss out on finding out, like, mm. now what's important, rather mm-hmm. than waiting till we die and find out, oh, Jesus, you, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Experiencing... That's yeah, true. I mean, I mean, so, it's hard for me, like, it's hard, I, I get what you're saying, but, like, I mean, to me, like, I know as a mom, like, I mean, I know you want to give them, like, you only want to give them the best, but, mm-hmm. I mean, like, they're... They, they pro- there's probably no telling how generationally this is changing maybe mm-hmm. um, generations to come and how yeah. they're going to impact their kids and their kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, the the, yeah. the domino effect uh, on a good level that oh, this I is going to so. have. Yeah. You know, this is not just affecting them. This is affecting generations to come mm-hmm. in, in a glorious way, you know, which yeah. is hard to see and... When you're in the middle I'm starting of it, it's like, to see it it's like, do you really yeah. want to, do I have to go through this to have that happen? You know, like, right. but I mean, like, man, there's just no telling like the good that's, that, that is on the other side of all this, you know? Yeah. And then I started, you know, the flip side of it, like I had like the mom guilt of, well, they didn't have a childhood. Like they were never really little kids mm-hmm. at, at two and three, like they hear well, you're they, dying, yeah, yeah, like yeah. swallow okay. these pills. And then, you know, again, I'm given months to live. I don't know how old they were, five and six maybe. You know, they're four and six, five and six. They, they're only 20 months apart. And so... Um, Are they having to learn at an early age how to, like, cook for themselves? And, they've been pretty self-sufficient yeah, for a long time. Mm-hmm. I tell people, like, my kids don't need me. They uh, want me. Yeah. 
Which is great. They really don't need me. I mean, you know, they get up, they can... At least you know they love you. Right. right. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it, that has been... It's been hard to just, like, accept and realize this is part of God's plan. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to use this. And for a while there, then, I was having, I was struggling with, what on earth is it, God, that you're going to make them deal with when they're older, that they have to go through all of this? Uh-huh. That That was really hard for me. And, um, this, yeah, what is this setting them up for? Yeah, because I'm like, well, so nothing easy, right? You can, I don't know. And then, mm-hmm. but that, that doesn't have to be true either. Right, right, and right. I was talking to a mentor that I have from Salem, Oregon, and, uh, just, she's a blessing in my life. She's like a, she's like a grandma to me and just loves Jesus. And she's like, honey, like, you've got to see what I see looking mm-hmm. in. She's like, they they love Jesus so much. And mm-hmm. she's like, and that's just like what you were just saying, Chris, like it's going to shape their marriages and their kids' lives and their grandkids' lives. And, you know, and here I am like in tears, like, oh, now that's truth, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, and she's backing it with the word of God. And I'm like, okay, there's mm-hmm. something I can hold on to. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, people would say, they would look at me as I'm, you know, my hair's all falling out and I'm gaining weight like crazy. And they're like, why is your husband still with you? Like, I literally had two ladies in different ways say the same thing. And I'm just like, because he made a commitment yeah. to me in front of the Lord, like, yeah. and a commitment to God, you know, that, that we're in this together. And this is what the for better or for worse, for sick or for poor looks like. Yeah. And we might be poor and I am really sick. But yeah. <laughs> and I don't look good. But I took him to Germany, <laughs> Hawaii, Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So it's a... I don't know. I had to, like, I mean, God's been doing a lot yeah. in and through us in this, but I mean, it was probably three years ago that I tell people, like, I literally had that, that moment where, like, I realized I am thankful that God picked me to mm-hmm. walk this. And you said that in some way, shape or form on the phone last week. And I thought, I can't wait to meet this this person because I was just so impressed by that but I will tell you like there's still days where I am flat angry like I'll just be like God I am angry like you could have healed me you could have taken this away this doctor could have had the answer why did I have to wait 25 years um you know I but he did choose me Mm -hmm. to walk this he chose our whole family to walk this and for whatever reason that is I don't even care because I I used to be like oh I want to know like what's how's he going to use this and now I'm just like his ways are perfect and his plans are good and I can rest. And you probably wouldn't get it even if he did tell you, you know what I mean? Right. No, it's gonna be so much bigger than my little pea sized brain can mm. comprehend. So um I truly am thankful, but at the same time I'm very weary. Mm. Oh yeah. I so I, I mean Corey's weary. The stress, like it has it's taken its toll. I mean right. you know, the kids, you know, now we uh we can't hide the seizures from Gray. Right. And so She's having to deal with this whole, you know, mom, are you okay? And, you know, mom was last night really, really bad. Mm. And, um, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Of course. What do you think? Pretty amazing, huh? They're pretty remarkable people. So inspiring. Uh, so faith-filled. And so, um, so if you want to reach out to Danielle and let her know how this hit you. If you want to encourage her or let her know how this has encouraged you, you can reach out to her at Danny Pratt on Instagram. So that's D-A-N-I-P-R-A-T-T on Instagram. She also blogs every once in a while to keep people up with her journey. 
on beautifulmess.com. That's B-A-U-T-Y-F-U-L-L-M-E-S-S dot com. So this is the first of two parts. Next week, the second part will be up. Um, Share the Chris Lockwood podcast with your friends. Let them know that it's out there and it exists in the world. Uh, You can subscribe at Apple. Uh, you can also uh, listen on SoundCloud. You can find it at my website at IamChrisLockwood.com because I am Chris Lockwood. And it will sooner or later be on Spotify, uh, that that old faithful Spotify. So anyway, so glad you're here. It's good to be back. Happy New Year. Here we go. See you next week. <laughs>